Wrestling Alliance Radio. Names on the Titantron, now time to get it on. Choke Sam, the center bomb, this is one I carry on. Black Crook, I'm the big boss man. Known to be the whole episode, Van Dam. Chilling with my wrestling Alliance fan. Paradox Tribal Chef, Duck Bang. You know me, Rim, he goes in. This new corporation, McMahon. Welcome to War Wrestling Alliance Radio, and today we have a very special treat. We actually have one of my um, oldest friends, actually, that I went to high school with, but he is a great indie wrestler, Mr. Dashing D, and we have a bunch of questions set up for him. Duck goes bang, would you like to take over, Mr. Dashing D, actually, please introduce yourself and say hello. Ladies and gentlemen, miscreants, saints, and sinners, Dashing D is on the line with you. How you doing? Cool, cool, cool. So Dash indeed, Duck Goes Bang. He's one of the my best co-hosts ever, along with Rim Rock. Duck Goes Bang is a producer, basically. He got questions for you. So. Uh, Bring it on. Okay. All right. Um. So before we get into it, you know, you want to officially? You, I mean, you already introduced yourself, but do you want to? You know. Talk about yourself. Let let the crowd know what's going on with that from D. Well, I mean, I'll probably put it like this. I consider myself Brooklyn's wrestling prince. The best way to describe the character is someone who is so bored with the life of luxury and hedonism that he found stimulating. I like that. That's pretty dope. So let me ask you this, you know, right now we're all fans. Uh, I know Paradox did a little wrestling back in the day, but as a wrestler, how does it feel to actually be a wrestler? I've never had a chance to actually ask a wrestler that question. So how does it feel to be a wrestler? How does it feel? That's actually an interesting question. I don't think I've gotten that one before. Um, <laughs> It's painful. <laughs> I'll be yes. real with you. <laughs> it's a painful lifestyle. Um, I spend a lot of it just beat up. Um, but it's also, it's, it's, it's one of those things where there's not really such a free experience that you can get where you're pulling for so much. You, the indie, especially on the indie scene, you have to literally be an entrepreneur, a marketing producer, um, and a level of an actor. There's so many facets that you have to do. So it's, it's really an extension of artistic expression and business, um, unlike anything else that I've actually dabbled in. Um, and it's a real free experience, but like I said, it, it, it's also, it's a crime of passion. That's the best way I've ever described it, a real crime of passion. Okay, yeah, I understand that for sure. Um, I want to ask, before Dash and D, was there any other names that you might have been going through before you settled on Dash and D? Oh, man. Uh, no, not really. Dash and D, uh, it's funny. I mean, I never, I, I, Dash and D itself was never something I thought would have taken off a bit the way it did when I came up with the concept. Um, Mm -hmm. it was actually my backup concept. And I originally was just going to go with a nickname that I had um, from childhood. Uh, a lot of people called me the hazard for various reasons. Um, it's something that I 
may still use at some point, but I got into wrestling business um, and I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do what I wasn't seeing on TV. I wanted to do what I wasn't seeing everywhere else. So I had a concept originally with a character, Too Sweet D, and I was just like, all right, look, I ain't really going to be having people call me sweet. Um, so <laughs> I developed Dash and D and it was like, all right, this is a, this is something different, you know? And then, um, before Dash and D thousand, it was Dash and D Weatherford. It was just another iteration, same character. Um, but Weatherford from thousand was more of an evolution of the character and just something to put a spin on. Um, also I just, my character draws a lot of comparisons to other characters that eventually started getting a lot of the limelight. And I wanted to always to separate myself from everyone else in the crowd. I don't, you know, a lot, a lot of wrestling you watch and how many times you see the same character. But I mean, bad. how many That's Roman bad. Reigns is out there to a degree? A lot of, you know, a lot not of everybody's them. the head of the chief, but there's a lot of prototype wrestlers that are just fin offs of the other one. And I, I didn't want to get really caught into that. Um, so I wanted to do something a little bit more edgy, a little bit more different that wasn't really coming off across. And, um, I came, came up with the concept of Dash and D. And, um, I remember I started at, uh, with, started out with Joel Maximo, um, from the SAT at the Looters Wrestling School. And, um, he wanted to see what I had and he said, cut a promo. And, it was literally like about five dudes ahead of me and everybody was just ass kicker number two and three, um, you know, stone cold renditions of I'm just going to hurt you and beat you up. And, you know, a couple of Ravens. And I was just like, yo, I'm, I'm going to do something different. Um, and he had me cut the promo and I remember the line that really got everybody. I was like, it's raining outside. But what happened was is mother nature got a peak of me naked. And this is why we got the results we got. And I'm dashing deep down, and I'm here to change it all. Uh, I'm sorry to like that. That was good. You know what it felt like? You cut, it felt like you cut that, a promo just now <laughs> inside this interview just now. That was great. No, nah, I mean, it was, it was just the line. It was part of the promo that I actually had to cut right there. And it, it's just the thing. It was like, like I said, I, I knew I wanted to be this different character. And I was like, you know what? Be flamboyant as possible. Um, and my biggest, in, one of my biggest influences, um, Prince, as um, just everything that he did in music and stuff rest like that. Peace. I was like, yo, yes, maybe rest in peace. And just the genius that he was and everything that he represented. I was like, yo, how would I bring that into the wrestling world? And it was funny because originally when I had the concept, the idea was like, yo, put, put me in a blouse. Uh, we were going to just literally do so much of everything that was um, presented from the Dave Chappelle sketch. <laughs> and it was something that we were just going to run with. So we were pulling a lot of from different sources. A lot of the stuff I wanted to pull from wrestling wise, I didn't want to pull directly from wrestling. Cause like I said, I wanted to do something different. Um, and it did. It bit. Uh, everyone loved it. There was so much stuff that we can pull from it. And um, at the time, that, that wind up leading to my first couple of bookings and set up with the first stable I had, which was Omega Black. And um, we build off of that. And, you know, I wind up the mouthpiece of the group and we just kept going from there. 
Can I ask real so, quick? Was that the question. was that the same Does group that, that you have the pinkies up? Say that one more time. I ran my bad. Good. Oh, oh you, you good, brother? Um, what I was saying is, so does that make Dash and D like a ladies' man? I'm good. Oh, it was it. Uh, so Dash and D was definitely a ladies' man, but it was very ambiguous. Um, in its original iteration, it was almost like I'm such a ladies' man, I can dress like a lady and still take your girl. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we, we were going right there for it, but, uh, what wind up eventually happening, like I said, I wind up with the group Omega Black. Um, the group was originally based as a black fraternity, um, mm. which really played into the idea of, you know, being very rich, um, very privileged, but black, um, yeah. highly educated. So we took, which we never see we in the Western world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was something, and that was one of the things that really was a great appeal for the group. We we were it was something different, with something fresh. Um, and in, even though it was the independent scene, it was it garnered the right attention. You know, it was just not what you seen. You know, we came out in cardigan sweaters. Um, all of us. Uh, it was a mixed bag group. Uh, it was about five different members. Um, and it was just something different. And I, like I was the one that basically. You know, my fashion sense was beyond everything. And that's kind of what I represented um, as the character. And, yeah, you know, God forbid there was a female in the crowd or as your manager, I'm the first one in your face. Um, <laughs> it was part of the entire gimmick. But I was also the very legitimate, the legitimate factor of, you know what, high end. Everything with me had to be high end. So for a while with that character, you never caught me really out out of a suit. Um, you never caught me without the cardigan or something that just made me stand out. Um, we came out with umbrellas as well. Uh, one of the things that we, we were also a heel faction. So one of the things I used to love to do to get heat is I would open the umbrella in the middle of the match and just block the view from all the fans. Um, and just have them hate me for it all. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like hearing you talk about the creativity and the freedom that you get on the indie scenes. Um, do you feel that fans of wrestling, quote unquote, give unfair like it's like some unfair treatment when it comes to the indie scene? Like they just get unfair criticisms and things like that because they aren't like on TV or they don't have a quote unquote big superstar thing that's in your promotion or whatever. Um, I find that's a little hard to answer just because it's one of those things, right? Um, you know, wrestling is a business. I look at it as a business and I try to suspend the fan. You know, I, I, I try to just let fans be fans. Um, I do feel fans to a degree can be very fickle. Um, especially a lot among the internet wrestling community. It's one of those things where, you know, we we as wrestlers, we look at the opportunity that we get to go out there and perform. We love when we're doing what you guys like. Um, we listen to when, you, when you, we're doing something that doesn't work and we try to adjust um, when possible. But TV, TV is a big thing. You know, that that's the pinnacle. That's where we make our money. That's where the money starts to come in. So we got to do what we got to do to please them, too. 
um, the producers and everything. So there is a disconnect sometimes because people are used to seeing what's on TV and it's almost like only you're only made it when you're on TV, right? You're only such a serious person about it when you're on TV. Um, and that's just what kind of legitimizes it, right? Like, you know, rappers, you know, you compare it to other industries, you know, are you really a rapper? If you haven't gotten yourself off SoundCloud and got it to Spotify and Apple and you got your music videos actually playing and your music hit the radio scene, like there's those things that kind of legitimize it. Right. And that's how mm-hmm. people view it. You know, it's it. You know, there's plenty of indie artists out there that are in rap acting and things like that. They're great. They're phenomenal. They just haven't gotten a platform to be seen and appreciated by everybody else. And you kind of got to break that glass ceiling by getting into what kind of legitimizes you. I look mm-hmm. at TV kind of to be that way. Um, but at the same time, I can say, you know, it's unfair to ignore what's happening at the indie level because you got a lot of guys out there that are phenomenal works. They're phenomenal acts. They can put on matches with some of the best guys that are on TV and hang with them more than you would probably realize. And they're doing stuff that you won't necessarily see on TV that's to some degree probably more engaging for what, you know, people that are watching TV complain is missing from wrestling. Um, so I do feel you got to have an open mind. You should jump back and forth. But I'm not going to sit here and say that there isn't something for fans to kind of be like, have their reason to say what they say about it. But I, I would just say, keep an open mind because you can get yourself, you can get a very personable experience on the indie scene and walk away with something you've never seen before and have a new reignited love for wrestling. Like you did in the attitude era compared to what you're getting on TV now. Um, but then you can find something on TV that you're not going to get at an indie show that you really love, but it really depends from person to person, fan to fan. Um, and I just, I'd rather let everybody just take their toll with that, you know? Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, you know, I've seen a few indie shows like around my area right now in Massachusetts. So we have like Northeast yeah, Wrestling. They do shows out here, um, the NEW Northeast Wrestling. So yes, I'm familiar with the promotion. They, and there's a few guys that I've seen it who actually have made it to either AEW and WWE. So my question is, how does it feel for you being a wrestler and what is your next step in evolution? Um, my next step, honestly, is again, um, do everything I got to do to get to TV. Uh, that's again, uh, get TV or get contract. Um, with one of the bigger promotions that's going to continuously, you know, help me pay the bills. Uh, you know, it's a business one way or another. Uh, we're always looking to make our character fresher, um, make it more aggressive, go with what the flow is to kind of what fans are responding to. Um, you know, there was a big wave not that long ago with viral, uh, being viral. If you were able to go viral, your bookings were through the roof. You know, you got the best gift out there with, you know, the craziest spot. You know, that was leading to bookings after bookings after bookings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I remember, matter of fact, uh, before COVID hit, 
there was a big a sh- uh, couple of big shows that were coming up and the guys that were doing the um wrestling in Walmart they got spot I remember those those dudes got on and, you know they were doing what they were doing and I, I never knock anybody's hustle um but they were doing what they're doing they got on it was you know they went viral with it it caught eyes and that's the thing the business is about what eyes you get what audience you can garner you know I'm trying to just switch that gear that 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 all those eyes get on me and I get on you know um I think I have a decent following um I have a partner our tag team is always getting love and we're one of those few groups that seem like we get we get love from the fans and we get love from the the locker room and promoters actually enjoy what we do too. So, you know, we're just looking to capitalize on that as much as possible and get our contracts. Um, whether it's the tag team or singles, it just looking to go further and, you know, look, I want wrestling to pay my bills at the end of the day. That's the game. That's the you. <laughs> feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, in our group, we and Rem has been a part of this. We have a WWA fantasy league. It's mm. it's pretty zany or whatever, but we have we often got to write promos and cut promos and things like that. And it, I'm not going to lie, for me, it's kind of hard because I know what I want to say and I know where I want to go, but it's just about finding the words. So as somebody yeah. who does this professionally, for you, does cutting promos come natural to you or is it something that's difficult? Like we, we heard the bar that you, that you dropped earlier and that was a great bar, but like, like, was that, like, was that natural for you to do? Well, promos for me did come natural. Um, through school, I was already involved in media. Um, I worked at a, I worked with a radio station. So, just kind of speaking and making a fool of myself was nothing new. Um, and just not being afraid to say something and kind of fall flat on my face or get a reaction. It was just one of those things that definitely I was lucky enough to have a background, whether it was from my acting, like I said, the radio hosting, um, that was something kind of ingrained into me, but it's, it's not a skill that you can't learn. Um, I'm working with a group now um, at training um, technique to training Academy um, over in Brooklyn. Uh, And what we're doing there is we're just cultivating a lot of different things. And what I'm noticing with the group that we have, a lot of people are coming like from improv groups, improv wrestling, and their promo stuff is some of the best that I've seen from just, you know, anybody that's just randomly cutting promos, but it's because they've already got that experience with timing and wordplay, you know? Um, so it's one of those things where they just develop the skills. So it does seem very natural, but when it comes to just writing those wrestling promos, it can get tricky because, you know, the promo is sometimes it's timing, right? Sometimes you got to get it in under a minute. Sometimes you got a 45 seconds. Sometimes it's, you know, what is the real thing you're trying to promote? Maybe you're trying to promote the, the, the venue more than anything. You're trying to get the match over. You're, you're trying to get your opponent over and then get yourself over. Or you're really just trying to sell what that is. It really does depend on what the setting is and what's the calling. Um, 
like I said, for me, it was natural, but it's a skill you can learn. Um, the best thing I've ever came across was the idea of character development. My character development is what made my promos easy. Once I understood my character, what he would say, what he would do, how he would react in multiple situations, it was easy to, for me to start being able to try to deliver different things. Um, but not only that, but you gotta, you gotta practice it. It's something that I, I, I banter with my friends, um, and my other colleagues. Like when we're do- on the road, we used to sit there and just cut promos. We would cut promos on each other. We'll cut promos about people passing in the car. We'll cut promos as a group. Um, you know, we really trained ourselves to be able to kind of do it as much as we do now. Um, but it's one of those things. It's a skill. you got to really work at it. Um, even if it comes natural where you just start getting the words together, your delivery becomes important. You know, how you vocal. Like, my character now is... I have two kind of... I, I kind of have two characters, right? So... I have my character in the tag team and then my character in the singles. They complement each other, but you're not going to get the same dash and D in a congregation as you get in the singles because I represent a little something different when I'm part of the congregation. When I'm on my singles thing, then I'm in a bigger play box where I can play with stuff. So my voice changes, you know, maybe I'll start talking like this because my mostly speaking more to the ladies. I want them to hear me. And that way, I'm trying to get you stimulated. But when I'm with the congregation, I want to talk to your soul. I'm talking because I'm preaching to you. I want you to feel it. But all the same, I'm still me. But it's just those fluctuations that kind of start to let you know. Again, if I'm a face, if I'm a heel, that kind of changes as well. Uh, Roman Reigns is a good example. Um, I listen to his promos since he's gone heel. It's completely different. He sounds like a hood dude from the street when he's cutting promos more than anything else. Um, and I love it. I actually love it. It works, I mean, it works so good. It works for him. Um, when he originally was cutting promos, and you still kind of heard that hood dude, but now he sounds like Ghost from Power. And I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of respect what he's <laughs> saying. Before, I was like, all right, you still sound like you might get heard on a corner, but I- I'm listening to you. But now it's like he really r- runs a set. You know, it, it's, it's you different. Go, I'll kill you. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. He always, but, he um, always keeps saying that, like, who's Roman Reigns going to kill this Friday night on SmackDown? Exactly. Right. But it's, and when it comes to promos, yeah, it's all about, it's all about really knowing what you're trying to sell to your audience at that point. You know, if it's not really, and how to get your character to do that. Because you're doing it as your character. Like, uh, you know, you everyone in, in wrestling, a lot of guys start out, we always uh, joke about guys starting always with their wrestling voice. You know, a lot of guys, they're going out there to cut the promos, and it's like, you don't understand something, man. I'm coming out here. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, we're not in the 80s anymore. You ain't got to be every, – not everyone's got to kind of sound like Hulk Hogan. You don't got a brother-brother and all the other stuff, but – it's ingrained. It's part of the, it's part of the business. Um, you know, and some guys can get out there and really just talk. Um, and I study, I studied promos um, kind of before I got into business. Uh, my favorite promo guy, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting carried away and long-winded, but I'll end with this. My favorite promo guys were Jake the Snake Roberts, um, Goldust, and, um, and Macho Man. 
you know, those are my three guys that when I go to do promos and stuff, I usually am looking at their stuff, how they deliver. Jake the Snake, he never screamed. Just hits you with some of the hardest words ever. He never had to scream. And he even said it when he's opened his promos. Most of you guys, you like to talk real loud. I like to talk low to make sure you listen to me. It was something different. You hung on every word he said because he did that. Arn Anderson was another one that was kind of similar to that. But he would also just throw it up there. Um, but, and then you had Goldust, completely flamboyant character, breathing and biting at the screen and everything else, but he grabbed your attention with everything and he stayed into that character, dropping quotes from movies and things like that. It was something different and got you. Macho Man was over the top, but one of the great things about his over the topness, if you go back into a lot of his promos, especially during it, before he got his world title, this guy would bring out all the craziest props ever. Um, one of my favorites is cream of the crop promo when he's literally sitting here with a little cream of coffee, you know, and he played to everything like that. And he was very cinematic in all of his promos and I loved it. So when you guys are doing it, just, just think about what you're selling. Think about what you're doing. Um, take an improv class, uh, just to work on different cues and fluctuations. And at the same time, think about who you really, who you're trying to be when you're saying what you're saying. All you podcast listeners out there, hope you're enjoying the Cast Iron Podcast with the amazing chef, Patrick Lee. Afterwards, make sure to also tune in to his other podcast, Wrestling Alliance Radio, the ever-evolving podcast discussing the wrestling topics you want to hear. With myself, Robert Paradox, co-host Rimrock, Duck Goes Bang, and Pat Lee himself, tune in for a great time. I wish you could actually just go back and see some of them because we've got a lot of creative people. Um, they, they've seen my stuff. Or I, I went kind of a Bray Wyatt craziness way to it. But let me. That was that was amazing. And then the, the people you brought up, especially Goldust. I don't think he gets a lot of credit that he deserves because Ooh, highly underrated. Really, highly he underrated. really doesn't. Yeah, it's unlike Cody. Cody does try, but I think he tries to force too much. But Dustin, he comes off just like his dad. Like you just hear it through him, and it's like, wow, you know, some a plumber. Like it comes off through him. I'll leave but, uh, with um the next question. So, you know, you've been in the wrestling game for a while and in the indies and you're trying to, you know, make your way up through to the top tiers, of course. But are there any crazy stories that you can share with us that you've like seen or been a part of or both without, you know, you don't have to name drop people or, you know, just anything. Um, All right. So, like, I need to know what is the, the. What is your real definition of crazy? Like, I mean, you want, you're talking fights, you're talking ribs, you're talking, I mean, wrestling, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Wrestling is, is, (laughs) the business itself is crazy. All right. This, this, it makes no sense, honestly. Um, the stuff that happens with wrestling, (laughs) um, I gotta, all right, I'll ask probably at least give us like some uh, crazy rib that happened. You know, ribs are jokes with within wrestlers and stuff like that. And then, you no, know, maybe something 
like super serious happening like yo i i was part of that or i was a part of that and this situation got fucking out of hand listen we don't want you to incriminate yourself we don't want yeah, that. don't do that <laughs> no no I'll, I'll put it i mean i am so i'll put it like this for me i don't really get involved in a lot of the hijinks i've earned my respect by being humble um and when it's gotten out of hand humbling someone else um if necessary uh I'm just a really a respectful guy. I, I mostly go to shows. I show up, do what I got to do, break down, and I'm trying to get the hell out of there. I want to go home. Um, but it, again, certain things you just cannot avoid on the road. Certain associations, it it's fucking ridiculous. Um, fights, fights are very much a part of wrestling. Um, everyone wants to be a tough guy, right? In, in in this business, and the thing is, I'm gonna be real with you. A lot of them aren't. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. And G checking, G checking does go down. Um, what better? <laughs> so a lot of a lot of times, you you know, you hear stories about guys getting in the ring, they take liberties with a guy, and you know, you hear about it in WWD, and then they start shooting in the back, right? Um. There was this one episode that I was a part of. Um, I won't name names or the promotion or anything, but I remember it was it just got real crazy. Um the way the stuff was supposed to go in the ring, nothing went in court in the plan. And the promoter saw it and was just unhappy with what was happening. They got in the back and the promoter walked up to the guy and was like, Yo, what are you doing? None of that was what we had set up. What are you doing out there? The guy was like, oh, you know, I, I've been doing this for a while. I thought this would give this. This is what my character does. He was like, yo, it's stupid. Don't ever do that again. The guy got mouthy with him, and my man had no patience for it. And when I tell you he smacked the living shit out of this dude, um, it was so loud. There were other, like, known wrestlers in the locker room. Everyone fucking paused. They dropped what they were doing. They looked. Everyone just, it was like, you know how like when you're in the movies and the music is playing and everyone's chilling and the record skips when someone says something and everyone just goes quiet and pays attention? That's what that slap was. <laughs> yeah, like it literally, ha- like when I say, he said, I forget what he said, but he said something and it ticked my man off. And he smacked fire out of him. And everybody thought you know, the way the guy was talking, he might do something. Nah, he just sat there and had to eat a second one that followed. Because if the first one wasn't enough just to wake him up, the guy delivered a second one to let him know, for real, I'm shutting everything you just had to say down. Try me if you want to. Because he just yeah, wasn't listening. That's a one. Yeah, I mean, it was, and it was open hand smacks. You know, Ooh, just to like uh, kind of let you know that he was a certain. He boundaries. was serious, yeah. Like yeah. trying to slap somebody open hand. Don't do nothing. You the punk now, like yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wait, I mean, smacks? he he two, was smacked two, like shut two the fuck. open hand smacks of just I'm a son you right now, and I dare you to do something about it. Hey, and, um, and that shit know, happens, you know, you know how Brooklyn rolls, D, that shit does happen. Exactly, like, exactly. It, it was, um, it was, um, it was one of the most gangsome real moments that I saw happen in the locker room. 
And it was it was really it was kind of funny, but it was also scary because nobody knew what was really about to happen next. And like I said, everyone just everything that was all chill and that went out the window right at that moment. The tension went high and homie knew to back down because, again, again, like I said, the business has, you know, the dude that did it was one of the few real dudes that's out there. You know, it's not someone I would test at all. Uh, a lot of guys know the deal not to do it either. Um, but, you know, he kind of stepped out of his box and was talking reckless. And that's what happened. That was the receipt for it. You know, and look, this is a physical business as it is. Receipts do come and go. Um, I've seen matches where the dude, you know, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, next thing you know, he had a broken nose, but he won the match. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, can i ask that, that one real quick question if i yeah. may or if you've ever run into this guy low key low kai i don't know how they he says his name loki fucks people up if that's your question yes loki just fucks people have, up. have you worked i've never <laughs> i i've been I, i've i've never worked against loki um i actually <laughs> wouldn't mind working against loki um because again, Loki is only gonna really do that to you if you can't really hang with him the way he wrestles. You know, Loki's one of those guys. He's big on the respect. He's big on kind of the old guard system of the business. If you not selling right, you not doing what you're supposed to do, or you trying to be snug and you can't take the shots back, he's gonna crack you. Um, that's just what it is. He's been labeled unsafe by a lot of people. Um, you know, that see the footage, he has a reputation for it. But again, I'll just say this. Have you seen him not get booked after that? Yeah, you're right. You're right on that one. He's still, you know what I'm saying? So my thing, my thing kind of becomes, is he really unsafe or is he as, you know, wrestling also has the thing about protecting the business guys will do. Some guys are. You know, they're considered like the old guard. They they considered protecting the business where, you know, if you're going to work a snug match or you're not selling a certain way, I'm going to make you do it. And Loki's one of those guys who keeps it that way. He's going to keep make sure the the business always looks legitimate. Um, Like I said, I've I've known the guys that he's worked around. I've trained under the guys he's worked around. Um, I know the style that they bring to the table. And he's one of those guys where, yeah, it, you know, make sure you know what you're doing with him. He'll knock you out to, to stop a match <laughs> if he feels you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, some guys will say that's not really cool, but I, I come from I come from a weird place in the business. I've gone up and down the East Coast. Um I've seen how it's changing now. I've seen what it was before and I've worked with different guys and I've learned that you have to be able to adjust. If it's going to be a hard hitting match, be ready to go in there, have a hard hitting match, um, be able to give as good as they're going to take. I mean, be able to take as good as you're going to give it and be able to take what they're going to throw at you. Um, those are the guys who are going to try to weed out quote unquote, the pussies. Um, but you know, there's also, there's there's also a part of business where you're not supposed to try to beat the guy up for shit anyway because we're taking liberties with each other's bodies anyway. I'm not blocking a fight. I'm not blocking a big boot 
technically because I want it to look good, right? You know, yeah. the suspension of belief is already there. I'm not going to block the big boot, but I also don't expect you to try to kick my damn head off. But their steel is in matches. A lot of guys, you know, I've learned to feel my, my opponents out in certain ways. You know, you, you do certain things in the ring. You really su- you really learn about it. Um, I'm really big about protecting myself. I very much try to work with a lot of guys, but I adjust. I've learned very early you have to adjust. If you don't adjust, you can really go out there and get yourself beat up. Um, so specifically on Loki, I feel his reputation proceeds in a certain way. Um, I don't have a direct personal experience. I know people that have had experiences with him. A lot of them are positive. A lot of them say, you know, he really will work with you. It's just you gotta be in able. You gotta be in able to go out there and do what he does, and be prepared for it. If you're not, it's a hard day at the office that that day. Otherwise, you guys are gonna have a. You can put on a great match with him too. Um, but he's serious about how he handles what he does. Um, that's the only thing I can say about it. You know, I I find him to be a respectable dude. I would love to. I actually would love to have a match with him. Um, I love what he's done. Um, I would love to see what that would turn into with, with me having a match with him. I can, I've been able to adjust. I've had hard, hard hitting matches, have matches with all hijinks and, you know, nobody gets barely a bruise, but I'm, I'm here for every part of the business. You know, I'm, I'm very, I like to be versatile with it. Give me That's everything. Awesome, man. That's awesome, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, duck. You're up, bro. Yeah, um, so we, as fans, often criticize everybody. You know, we either like them, we don't like them. And everybody kind of understands that that's part of the business. And I've heard wrestlers say, hey, you say we suck, you hate us, da 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 It's words, we get it. We're playing a bad guy, we're playing a good guy. But how do you feel? When, as somebody who actually does this professionally, puts their body on the line, somebody who just sits at home on the couch and doesn't do anything, say that somebody can't wrestle. Like, as a fan, I I always found that to be kind of weird because I don't do this. This isn't my profession. Who am I to say that somebody can't do this? So as a wrestler, how does how do you feel about that question? Like that that type of response from fans? It's uh oh man. Uh yeah. I wanted I wanted to do a little bit politically correct, but I'm I'm just gonna shoot straight with you guys. Um I, when a lot of guys get out there with that, I, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll be as honest about it. A lot of times guys get out there and they're really quick to say who can't wrestle, who shouldn't wrestle and things like that. Sometimes you might have an idea. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You saw like a lot of botches in a match and things like that. But I always try to offer the most humbling thing. Get in the ring and try it yourself. The shit ain't easy. Um, it's not easy at all. If it was, there would be a lot of people that would really do it. I, I've seen guys get in wrestling. And they leave after the first day because they can't handle how their body feels after the bumps. Um, they can't handle how it feels to actually feel what that rope is once you run the ropes. Like I, you know, I start. I start off by saying, you know, 
you asked, how does it feel to be a wrestler? It hurts. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you at all. It fucking hurts. A lot of us walk around with limps. You know, the guys that have been doing it for years, there's a reason it smells like Tiger Bomb in the locker rooms. It's a painful game. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. Some guys aren't as smooth. Some guys maybe in certain certain industries, some guys probably aren't as crisp as others. You know, maybe they don't deserve the mainstay. Um, but you're entitled to your opinion. Maybe you don't like how they wrestle. Maybe you don't think their wrestling is really on par for TV. Maybe they're just not your bag of tea for wrestling. But when you're going out there and really just telling someone to quit with something you never tried before, I don't truly respect it. I understand where you're coming from. Maybe you're just not entertained. Um, but before you're really ready to put somebody down too close as a fan, give it a shot. You know what I'm saying? Give it a shot to just at least still have the respect for that person. That's my thing about it. Just still respect the profession. Don't try to be like, oh, I can get in there and whip your ass and put on a better match. Because you probably can't. Don't say that. But if you do say, nah, I don't really like this guy as a wrestler. I don't think he's got what it takes to go far. He needs to train and get better. That's a fair opinion. It's more of a fair opinion. I'll take that over. You can't wrestle. Get out of the ring. I'll kick your ass. And you've never even stepped in between those ropes. It's real different, you know? Um, and if you're going to say that, hopefully you've had maybe something else. A UFC fighter saying that, I might give you a bit a much bigger pass. You want to know why? Because you're a UFC fighter. You 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 kind of know what it takes, and you're doing something that's beyond this particular craft. I'll still invite you to try to do what we do. I may not be able to do what you do, but you may not be able to do what I do as well. But there's there's still at least a transferableness of the athletics where it's respectable. You know what I mean? Um, but just if you're sitting on a couch. You know what I mean? You you haven't been able to run a lap. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that meme. I'm just thinking about that meme. It's always like, the, they like amateur. It's like the big guy with like Cheetos fucking stays on his shirt. He's like, amateur. You didn't you didn't land a perfect moonsault. Like, bro, you couldn't even fucking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, those guys exist. Those guys exist. But you know what I. When those guys kind of really start talking their trash, I love I love kind of finding that guy in the crowd, right? Especially if I'm a heel. Um, I love finding that guy in the crowd because I start making I want to make sure he's paying attention when something happens. Then I do something. And I go, "Can you do it?" <laughs> you know, um, it, it, oh, right in their face. You, like you want to single those guys out, or you know, sometimes they're again. Or, or you just or you, or you go for the juggle again. That's I, 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 what I love about being a heel. I can be an asshole right back to you and be like, "Yeah, I still got your money. So are you gonna buy two shirts or one?" <laughs> you, 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 huh? You know that was, um, I, that was good. I like that. <laughs> but funny story. Funny story. Um, I'll give you this one story. This is another one of those kind of crazy things of wrestling, right? Um, as a wrestler, a lot of wrestlers, we try to still be fans. Um, it's very hard. Um, and sometimes fans make it hard for us wrestlers to still be fans. 
Um, I went out one day and this is kind of still early in the career. And I was watching a, a, I think it was Cena versus punk. This is how long it was ago. Uh, Cena versus punk was in a pay-per-view and you know, I'm one of those guys. I, I, I not Cena to a degree, but I also appreciated and respected what he does in the craft. Um, I still think his dropkick is shit, but there's great things that he still is able to do. The guy gets the biggest reaction off a goddamn shoulder block. Who the fuck can do that? Not many guys can get so much of a reaction off of just the shoulder block. Whether you're booing, whether you're, you're, you're screaming your mind off. The dude went away and came back and got one of the loudest pops in a long time. Cena is a fucking asset for the business. I respect it. Um, we started talking about wrestling moves with some guy that was at the bar watching this pay-per-view and he went on to just go on a tirade that I didn't know shit about wrestling. And everybody I was with was like, Oh God, why did you even say anything? This is the wrong person to say it to. Cause he's a wrestler. And I said, I'm not going to even engage with him. Right. And I loved being, again, I loved being a heel. So maybe a month later, my um, my homeschool was doing a student showcase for a rest, uh, the WrestleMania where Undertaker went against Brock Lesnar and took the first L. During our showcase, guess who paid money to watch an independent wrestling show and watch that, in, that WrestleMania? The same guy. Exactly. I lit into his ass from my entrance to my <laughs> to leaving. And even before he left, I was like, hey, man, thanks for spending your money here. I'm glad you got to learn some real wrestling. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it was it Ultimate was it was indicating. It was just such a bur- it was a great burn because he could say nothing. He paid and had to watch me wrestle. The same guy he told at a bar. I didn't know anything about doing it and I'm doing something he had never been able to do. And then he sat there with his, with his, uh, you know, storeboard championship belt while oh, I was in a promotion wow. where we had our own, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So wow. it was just great to humble him in that way. Um, that's, some, yeah. that's some real top level heel shit right there. I love it. Oh, all right. It's fun. It's fun. Um, but um, best ri- best rib, I didn't give that one to you. Best rib, um, and ribs go far. Um, they're disgusting. Um, but be- <laughs> one of the best ribs was um, one of the guys went out, got real drunk with everybody, right? So they brought him back to the hotel and dumped his clothes, his actual clothes for the next day in the shower. And another one of the guys shit in his bag. Um, this is one of the Yo, that's wild. So, Randy, they 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 go far. They go far. So that was one of those ribs that I again. If that would have happened to me, I'm probably going to jail. Um, <laughs> I don't really like. I, I I don't like those ribs. But you know, these are these are the hijinks that these guys do to each other. Um, when I've talked to other guys, um, I, I did an interview with Bushwhacker Luke once. Uh, was it Luke? No, um, it was Butch. No, it was Luke. I'm mistaken. One of the Bushwhackers. I can't remember. 
I did an interview with them and they talked about ribs and they were like, yo, if you guys remember Mr. Fuji, they was like, he was the biggest ribber of them all and had the sickest ones. Um, literally to the point where he told guys cars away and little fun fact, if you work for WWE, you are responsible for your own rental. So if your car got towed, it was costing you money. And this is something Mr. Fuji did for hijinks to certain people. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> wild business, guys. Well, <laughs> well, if you guys like ribs, I know of a place that you get the best ribs in Berkshire County. It's called Rim Rocks Fried Chicken and Soul Food by me, Rim Rock. Hey, get that plug there. on, bro. That's what I call plug a plug. On. That's what I call a plug. That amazing plug. <laughs> Facts. Hey, that's where it's at. Ooh. Timing was good on that one. Jesus Christ. It was, bro. It was. I know my brother, my oh. brother D, he, he's a student of this game. And I love his knowledge. And he's a fan. You can hear everything and every word. So my thing is, personally or not personally, what is your favorite feud ever in wrestling? Um... <laughs> I would probably have to say you might you're better off asking me from which era, but I'll I'll probably always be the biggest fan of the Brett and Shawn Michaels stuff. Um, yes, primarily because Brett was one of my favorites of all time, um, and not only that, but that had a lot of real heat in it at different points in time. So that's what made it one of my great feuds. And these were guys that were. They were friends, but behind the scenes, and then they hated each other, and then, you know, they was able to translate all of that into the ring at different points in time, so that made it one of my favorites, but, yeah, yeah, I'll probably say hands down, one of my favorite feuds. I, I also and, you know, I also agree with that choice. I agree with that one. No, I so that made agree. me fall in love with to add, Wait, to add to that question, as far as favorite feuds, um, I want to ask. Do you have a favorite wrestler? Do I have a favorite wrestler? As in yeah. to watch now, just that I study, that I always Period. look up to. Uh, just the wrestler that... Who's the wrestler that you saw that made you want to say, you know what, I want to do this? Um, Honestly, Bret Hart. Okay. Uh, Bret, Bret Hart, um, probably closely followed by Chris Jericho. Um... Those were the guys um, that I watched a lot of their stuff. And seeing what they did made me believe in wrestling more than anything else. Um, And then, you know, I found little things here and there. But definitely Bret Hart brought something to the table that made me believe that wrestling was something worthwhile to go after. Wow. Um, With how your wrestling style is, I thought you would have said, like, Shawn Michaels... Or even like a Jeff. I mean, you said Jericho. He is a more versatile wrestler. We have a, the thousand and two hold of Jericho, and, and <laughs> thousand and four actually thousand and four. Two thousand four. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to segue to this. I seen you know we 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 checked your matches, and I know one of the moves you do is that what Andrade does. He does a double knees into the corner. Is that the finisher finisher, or is there another finisher no, that you're not? No, 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 um, My finisher, honestly, does not see the light of day. Um, there's a rule of thumb. There's a rule of thumb. You protect your finisher. 
Um, if I'm hitting my finisher, that needs to be the end of the match. Um, I have something that I use from time to time. Um, a lot of people don't know. My, my main finisher is a commission hold. Um, you've probably seen it in one cape. Um, it's only really gotten applied once um, effectively ah. to win a match, maybe twice. But it's more, or it was teased to start getting put on, and I I lose. I protect it. Um, I've had several moves over the years, but you gotta get. You always want to get people used to the move set. One of the biggest things I had to learn in wrestling was it's a teaching experience of the fans. You know, we are always guiding you. Um, Al Snow even gave a um, has a great seminar online. Um, that you can look up, and he talks about finishing maneuvers. Is it really a finishing maneuver? What move is a finishing maneuver? Can any move be a finishing maneuver? Well, technically, any move can, but a finishing maneuver and a signature maneuver is really particular. You know, again, we see the AA. We kind of know that's usually no one's taken out of it, right? Um, yeah. The F5 and these things like that, you know. But to make that be your finishing maneuver, you better have been winning matches with it. Um, Al Snow would even say, he says in that, um, that very um, seminar, the snow plow is more of a signature move than it was his finisher because he won more matches with hitting you with the head than he did with the snow plow. Um, wow, you're right. So wow. thought process-wise for me, I, I don't really break out my quote-unquote finisher I just do a lot of moves very often that would lead to the finish um, or would be a move that could finish the match right then and there. But yeah, yeah. I, uh, there's a plethora of things that I kind of keep in the bag. Uh, there's moves I haven't hit yet that I've been working on. Um, but I do have a particular affinity for this submission hold that I throw on. And like I said, I just, I, I, it doesn't see the light of day because it depends on the match and it depends on whether it's worthy enough for me to use it. And I use it only then. Wow. Um, wow. Thank you for, I mean, I've seen your matches. I've been there for your matches. It's just, I, I, I always see that one. And isn't that like, get, let them have the D or something like that. You, you, they can't take the D. They can't take the D. <laughs> you know, guys, but it, I'm telling you, this guy, he, you're a creative genius, literally. What, what you've done. But it's, it's, it's this one of those things, again, you know, when I say it, you know what's happening. You know, um, mm. when I hook a suplex, you know, you start to expect certain moves and you kind of start expecting certain outcomes. So that's all it is. You know, uh, we, we want to give you something to have a response to. The, the, the biggest idea of wrestling is the connection. I'll, I'll share I'll share the biggest uh, one of my favorite stories of my interaction with Triple H. Um, that led oh. to something that was the biggest learning tool I've learned about wrestling. Um, okay. This is going to sound ludicrous, but it's 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 a very funny story. But I'll just wrap it with, with, with what it is. I met Triple H at an autograph signing many moons ago. This is when Tess was still alive. Told you know, um, just randomly asked Triple H when he's he going to put somebody else to a table. He looks at me and winks, and I say, put Tess to the table. (laughs) 
Monday Night Raw comes on. Triple H storms the ring after Tess had a match. Goes nuts. Power bombs Tess to her table. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? Did I just get exactly what I asked for on Monday Night Raw? He didn't have a feud with Tess or anything. It just was full fan service, it felt like, for me directly from Triple H. Um, and it happened that was, several months. That was super months. weird because I've never seen Triple H do a powerbomb before that. Exactly. Triple H was not <laughs> known for powerbombing people, but he got on the steps, put Tess between his legs, powerbombed him straight through the table on Raw. That was literally after I had asked him about that. I didn't know if it was a planned segment from before or anything, and it just so coincidentally happening, but that shit happened, and it made my fucking light. <laughs> I can't lie. That was one of those moments where I was like, wrestling is the greatest thing for me. It means everything to me, and I will somehow be a part of that business, right? Um, and I shared that story one time when I was getting early into wrestling, and someone asked me what was my most magical moment with wrestling, and that 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 moment is my most magical moment. And when I shared that with that guy, he said, now, what other sport would you have ever had that with? And he said, that's the, that's what makes wrestling special. And that's when it clicked for me. And I was like, okay, everything I do needs to have some type of fan service. It needs to incorporate something with the fans. So it's why I started learning about why a move matters in wrestling. You know, why do you do certain moves over and over? Why do you pin a guy after you hit a move that has never beat them? It's a connection with you guys. Um, and that's where I was able to learn. That was what, that was the moment that taught me that. Um, well, I mean, and that's the way, the way, right. The way what maneuvers is, is like, you hear how JR talks and how even Cornette and, you know, people don't like some of their podcasts. Thoughts, but if you're gonna hit a big move like a superplex, and we've never seen a superplex really beating anybody in a long, long time, it's just ring psychology. Go for a pin, get the exactly. fans riled up. Go keep keep the fans involved. Like, oh, sh- yo, he just hit this sunset flip power bomb. He better go for a pin. You're not gonna just be like, all right, next move. Like it, that doesn't make sense to me, and in, in my opinion. No, it doesn't. It, it like you you mentioned it. Ring psychology. What is everyone in there trying to do when they wrestle? Win a match, right? It's it's even if it's scripted, the illusion is we're fighting to win a match, right? Mm-hmm. Why should why should I insult your intelligence by doing something that looks like it might have just killed this guy and not try to win after doing it? Simply. Can I ask you real quick? This is a sidebar on that one. Then, how do you feel how AEW runs their matches? I funny thing is, I have a high preference and high praise for AEW. I'm totally biased on them. All my friends are there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am biased. So Mr. Cole Cabana, right? <laughs> Uh, I mean, Colt Cabana, um, Santana Ortiz, um, the fucking, um, private party. There's literally, I can name a lot of guys that I've either shared locker rooms with. I still talk to, to this day. We chit chat, we catch up every now and then. Um, we fucking probably randomly still train together. 
so many people from AEW. I, I love the fact that AEW exists. I, I love the fact that this is a platform for my people to get out there and do what they do. AEW is a very unique thing. Um, they're bringing something different. They're not bringing direct competition to WWE. They're bringing a brighter platform to indie wrestling. Because you're still getting a lot of indie riffic stuff on AEW. And it's great. You know, indie wrestling is a heartthrob for the internet in many different ways. It's why you're seeing guys pop up on there and do certain things. It's not the cup of tea for everybody, but it's a cup of tea that's different from what you're normally getting shoved down your space when you actually turn on network television and looking for wrestling. Um, and they have a great relationship with New Japan, so you're getting a little bit of everything. You get crazy hard-hitting matches. You get matches where the dudes are just knocking each other silly, and you also get matches where you know they're quote-unquote killing the business over and over. Um, Wrestling has a lot of flavors of ice cream. AEW is a particular one. Um, yeah, they get shit on for a lot of things. Um, their tag matches sometimes lack a little bit of what's considered traditional tag psychology. But it's, again, flavors of ice cream. Um, you can go... Is it entertaining? Sometimes it's still the most entertaining shit that I, I can watch on TV. Um is it always on that point? No. It, you know, you, you're going to have your hit and a miss, but overall, yeah. um, I can't bury the promotion for it. I put them over, like I said, out of pure biasness. Um, but I also like the fact that, you know, you still get really great matches out of them, too. Um, and some of the matches that you get are almost the same quality of the way you're going to see matches from Ring of Honor in New Japan. Uh they, how many uh, times are we? They, they've been doing a many, lot. I mean, I, the forbidden door being open has uh-huh. helped, I think, bring a lot of eyes, a lot more yeah. eyes to other promotions too. So they're they're exactly. being, they're doing a smart play in the long run here. Exactly, and it's just one of those things. Again, w, uh, WWE is very niche to what they're doing, um, and after a while. Look, Roman Reigns has cut a whole promo about it. It's missionary, right? I agree. I agree. WWE. That's the wife you have. AEW is, you know, they're bringing the whips and chains and the handcuffs in there. You know, they give you the side chick sex. Exactly. Are we talking about Raw, Monday Night Raw? Because I swear, SmackDown, I'll be like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I got, I, I got to tune into this raw. I'll be like, bro, why? Like, why? But again, <laughs> like, I'll, why did you do this? I'll, I'll, cha- I'll challenge, I'll challenge that. Right. Okay. I'll challenge that by saying this. Um, and, and I, I'm saying this, uh, uh, excuse my references to the, to the, to, I, I don't really get to keep up that much with everything. So some of my stuff is dated, but you're a busy I, man, man. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm training on Mondays half of the time. You guys caught me because I, again, Rob hit me up and I was like, I'm gonna just gonna make the time. And also, coincidentally, I'm dealing with insane allergies, so I wasn't even able to train today. Um, but normally, we appreciate I, I you raw. being here. Thank you, thank you. Um, but normally, I miss Raw. Um, I don't always catch SmackDown, but I'll say this: I saw matches on Raw. That were I saw a match between Xavier Woods and Matt Riddle 
um, not that long ago, and it was on Raw, and I was one of the best matches I had seen in a while. Um, yes. Ever so often, oh, no. they, you know, wow. guys will get out there and they will they will fucking put on a great fucking match for no reason at all, and that's that's the beauty of it, right? But that's not also what they're always going to promote because. Let's face it, some of these great matches you want to save for a pay-per-view because that can hurt you. Um, and then, like you said, AEW, just fucking balls to the walls. Go out there, do what you do. Um, but that, you know, that gets dangerous, though. It, gets, it does get dangerous. Kind of style. It does. It, 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 you crash and burn. <laughs> I, I, they said, uh, Tony Khan said, we don't have a performance center. And then some of their YouTube stuff you see it and you're like, whoa, what are you guys doing out here? You, did you have no plan of action here? And then that's, uh, that's probably why they stick it on YouTube and they don't put it on the live TV stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, it happens. It's a live business. Um, indie wrestling is exactly that. Um, Cody Rhodes did an interview some years ago and he compared the Bucks to um, now known as FTR. Um, which is a, a beautiful play on the fact that that was originally fucked the revival. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh. you know, WWE gets they get to train, they get to kind of practice things out. They have the performance center. The indie wrestling scene is literally when you show up. I've been to venues where there's bookings. I got. Five minutes to go over my match. I got five Shit. minutes before I go out there and I need to perform and I got 10 minutes on the card. And I need to fill those 10 minutes and do something that's going to make sense. And I got to, and I, and, and at the same time, either I want to get myself over and get the other people over. And I got five minutes to effectively put something together. Oh, you like somebody else's. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's where I've, I, I, this is the first time I've met this guy. I don't, I don't, I've never yeah. seen footage. I don't know what oh. they do. I don't know how they oh, work. Wow. Five minutes. You got here. It's go time. You're on next. Get your gear. Get out there. It happens. That's, um, that's a high level of trust. It's a high level of trust. And then and at that's the same stressful time, as fuck. it is. And then, but all the same, it's all the more important of why you learn this craft completely, because this is, that's what you do. You know, you see guys like the Bucks that were doing a lot of these crazy spots that they were doing. Some of it was not always completely planned together. That was something that they put together that night with another crew, you know? Um, that's why sometimes it's good to be like a really top tier guy because you get to be later on the card. But, Indies, sometimes you're doing what's called a double shot. I didn't went to a promotion, and, and I've done it before. You know, I went to a promotion in Massachusetts, and I needed to get to another promotion in Jersey later in the day because I needed both bookings. I needed the fucking money. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, you're spending that time on the road, and I got to show up, and I got to do what I got to do. And the promoter expects a good match because I need him to bring me back. I need him to pay me. I need the fans to like what I did so they can buy my merchandise. Um, it's a rough business, but this is why some matches are what they are. Sometimes that's why they get botchy, they get glitchy. But that's 
also sometimes the pure artistic value of the indie scene itself. You know, sometimes you'll even get out there and you'll get matches where guys, they don't even fucking bump. And it's some of the most exciting shit you'll see. Um, but because, because in wrestling, we all, we, we, we have what we call a bump card. It's only but so many bumps until we're retiring, right? It's only but so much punishment your body's going to take before it to start shutting down on you. So we sometimes we try to save our bumps, but that's why, again, you learn this craft to such a degree that you can just work no matter what the situation is. And you can do what we call what we say, call it in the ring. There's a lot of guys that get out there. They don't have a plan for the match. Everything is in the middle of the ring. And they're just working with each other. Uh, Mexican wrestling is very good for that. A lot of wrestlers, um, even in Japan, the language barrier becomes a really big thing. They are working as it goes. They're doing little things. It's all body language that they're responding to. And then they're working the match that way. You know, uh, some guys will go to Japan and the Japanese guys, they may understand English, but they, to test you out, to show that if you're good enough, they say they don't speak English because they want to see how well you can work. Can you read the body language? Can you tell what's coming next? Are you going to sell the right way? Right. Uh, You know, it's all about the craft. Japan is rough. (laughs) uh, That all, wow, that entire thing just sounds stress-filled, but this has been the best insight that we've gotten into wrestling, especially indie wrestling, you know, and dashing D, uh, we actually have to cut this, but this has been the most, the most insightful, most funny thing that we've done in a bit. And I thank you so much for your time. That has it's oh, been thank amazing. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Remember, uh, he has actually merchandise. If you want to check it out, I don't know what the website is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so, so we had a wonderful plug earlier. All I have to say is simply, again, if you want to dare to be dashing along with me, you can sign up to www.prowrestlingtees.com slash dashing D thousand, or you can run over to www.teespring.com slash dashing dash D dash thousand there and find merchandise <laughs> i have it on both sides and then if you also follow me on instagram at dashing hazard or on twitter at dashing hazard and you can also find me on facebook at dashing the thousand formerly known as weatherford um all the merchandise um is available you can find it on the website there are also perfectly placed qrc codes which will take you directly to the websites as well um, follow any of the links on my link tree through Instagram as well and find yourself. There is plenty of gear for you, the little ones, the ladies, and the men, along with plushies, mugs, face masks. I got a little bit of everything for everyone because Dash and D wants you and everyone else to have it because we all know they all want the D. This guy hey. cut the promo before we finish up. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Oh man! <laughs> Yo, that was amazing. Yo, that was great. I, I'm loving this whole fucking thing, guys. 
This has been War Wrestling Alliance Radio with Dashing D. Myself, Rob Paradox, Duck Goes Bang, and Rip Rock. Thank you so much. It's been amazing tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. To the community of World Wrestling uh, WWR, I'm just going to use the hyphening. Thank you guys for listening and having us. Thank you. Yeah. That was good. That was wavy.